I start asking myself questions like, do I really want my past transgressions to define my future? Like, do I really want all these previous events to define how I go forward and how I see things? No. Hi, Mamas. Good morning. I hope you are going extra easy on yourself this Monday as it is Easter Monday. Happy Easter. I hope you have uh, some fun plans and enjoying the weekend, decompressing, letting those guts just hang out, baby, and let them soften. Um, yeah, my friend sent me a, a snap of like a giant Easter egg hunt she had for her niece. And um, yeah, it, it, it's just, it's a good time to see family. Hopefully you're not too triggered. and. Um, I just thought it, Easter was going to be another day for me, um, but Christy came home this week with supplies for Easter dinner, and I'm like, "Oh, like who are you? Who are you hosting?" She's like, "Here." I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" So I don't know. I'll be her little sous chef or or the the kitchen mouse cleaning up as she goes, but. Um, that I'm so excited that she, she can cook. Damn, Christy. And she'll probably even have grain beans, which is a Texas thing that I learned. Like, what the hell are grain beans? Green beans. Um, so I'm excited. Maybe like collard greens and grits. Let's, let's get Southern up in here. Um, so actually, I was planning to record with Christy for this week, but due to <laughs> circumstances. Um, so what ended up happening was, so Elizabeth is the new roomie, right? Who you met in episode 23, but she was replacing Faye. Faye was here when I first moved here and she was hardly home, right? Remember she helped me with that window. She happened to be home. But she, um, she works a lot, and and then she met Derek at work, and what little I saw of Faye before was even less after she met Derek because they just uh, they're two peas in a pod. Like they both are passionate about cooking. They work at the same place. Both very hard workers. They're just yeah, they're they're a power couple. So she was with him a lot. And, um, but the day last week that they came by, I was like, oh my gosh, this is perfect. I've recorded with Elizabeth. I've recorded with Wendy. Like I wanted to get all the roommates and Faye happens to be here. And she had this amazing bumblebee story, mamas, that's going to be in the pod for you. I, oh, every time I think about it, I saw her tattoo and she told me about it the meaning behind it and it is freaking special so I, i'm excited for that and i just told her like would you tell the bumblebee story like it doesn't have to be anything but then sure enough we got into like a full-on conversation um outside at table time is what we call it and i'm not a huge table time person because funny enough i'm like a huge weather snob <laughs> even in texas <laughs> 
And, you know, Wendy and Christy and Faye and Angel, like, they all love hanging out outside and just chit-chatting and stuff. And I'm... It's not so much my scene. I have to be in the mood for it. But the table times that I have spent with the roommates, Derek and Faye always seem to be there. So it seemed very fitting that they were both there. And I was like, oh my gosh, I, if I'm going to record my experience in Texas, I need to record table time. So uh, that really worked out. Angel came and joined at one point near the end too. And, and that's very table time-esque. People just come and go. Um, so here is my conversation with Derek and Faye. It's not table time without you guys. Right? Like both of you. Aw. Because I've really, <laughs> I've only been out a few times. Yeah. And you telling your freaking stories. <laughs> Baby that haunted me. <gasps> Poor thing. That fucked me it up. It haunts me too. That I believe it. You're like um like Davy Jones locker. Yeah. Like the ghosts and gonna go join Davy Jones locker. Captain Van Halen on the castaways of the Dutchman. I don't know what that is. The flying Dutchman? They're cush I'm cursed. ignorant. The Flying Dutchman is the old sea tale where uh, this angel of God comes down and curses them with St. Elmo's fire to live all eternity and sail the seas because the captain was cursing God's name. Ooh. So, like, sailors would be like, oh, yeah, I saw the ghost ship. I saw oh. the Flying Dutchman. Yeah. Does that tie into uh, Pirates of the Caribbean? Yeah. It does. Yeah. You, the, I'm pretty sure that's the... That's the first one. Yeah. That's the first that one. Is, so that's the Flying Dutchman that's is the there. the Flying Dutchman is the ghost ship. That's what I think of with you, Derek. <laughs> you got the ghost ship haunting your dreams. Rosie, what are you eating? Hey, what is that? Yeah, don't let her eat anything near the trailer. I try to pick stuff up, but... Are you an, an animal lover? I am. Yeah. I love animals. Yeah. Me, it's funny because I have a lot of interactions with animals that can't really be explained. Yeah. I think I told you this I before. forgot about this about you because yeah. you worked closely with cows. Yeah, cows. That and sheep. That was crazy too. Oh yeah, Your the cow, cow story. story. Yep. We're just trying to set up a new pasture line for the cows. So all we were doing, we were taking down the old fence to go put up a new fence. And as we're taking down the old fence and letting the cows into the new pasture, they got excited for the new grass. So they started charging at us. They started charging right at us. Like, cause they didn't give a fuck. Like they were like, Rah! And how, like, how big is a cow in perspective? Like how, how much does it weigh? They're probably about like this, this Five tall. feet tall? On all fours? Yeah. They're taller than me. Holy like, shit. If I'm standing in front of a cow, they're probably like the same height. And then a bull is like, like I remember looking up at a bull. Oh my, I didn't realize they were like taller than us on yeah. all fours. They're taller than they're us like on horses, all fours. They're like horses. Well, a little smaller than horses, but. No, I would same. say bigger than horses. You're yeah, shitting me. Horses aren't as chunky. So it's like a, a pack of bears charging you. Basically, yes. A pack of bears with no teeth, but still. <laughs> you can get trampled to death, you get yeah. crushed. 
Yeah. So I jumped in front of him. He was carrying the string and I was carrying the poles. And I dropped all the poles except for one. I jumped in and front of him. And he froze in fear at the yeah, charging. Yeah, exactly. He froze in pure fear. He was just like, ah, ah. And I was like, that's my moment. Ah! <laughs> Ran in front of him. He's like, I think you just saved my life. I think I did. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I cannot imagine that. Yeah. I really crazy. Like, that's pure instinct. And you have to be one with the cows to be like... I know that if I'm threatening enough, yeah, like because that's quite the bluff to call. Yeah, <laughs> like your exactly. life. Well, that's the thing is, I was just like a little uh, zoologist nerd growing up. Yeah, like I would read all like those zoo books and stuff, and everything that I always read is animals are way more afraid of us than we are of them. Huh. All you have to do is call their bluff most of the time. Most animals. Most of the time, sometimes some animals, Which animals you don't want to fuck with. are not. Because I feel like we're scared of them too. Most most prey animals are fucking definitely scared of you. They don't want to mess with you if they're prey, like cattle. Predators. Uh, cats mostly don't want to fuck with you unless they're desperate. Most animals don't want to fuck with you unless they're desperate. Really? Yeah. They would they're rather like pick their battles. Yeah, they'd rather go find something that's easier. I mean, think about it. We probably oh. killed everything yeah. that was aggressive. Exactly. Only if we had our weapons. Well, we killed everything I that know, wasn't. But it doesn't matter. That's that's how humans have survived since the beginning. So then they know that, like they know, because if they're they just... look at us, they're like, "What the fuck are they?" Gonna well, do? no, genetic breeding. So you know, have you seen those uh, foxes in uh, Ukraine? where they've got one house where they're domesticated foxes, they're the friendliest foxes. So what they did is they oh, okay. just kept breeding friendly foxes and what okay. they eventually got were these really friendly foxes. Okay. And then on the opposite side of the spectrum, they started breeding the very aggressive mean foxes. And now they've got these like demon foxes in one farmhouse and then the nicest foxes in the others. And they were trying to see how, how much of personality is genetics. So it's like dogs and wolves, but in foxes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. How much of personality is so, so personality, the type of bears that had the personality to go out and hunt humans, we cut, killed those bears. Because we were like, you're not going to hunt us. We're going to hunt you. Huh. And the bears that were like, you know what? I'm just going to mind my business. I don't want to fuck with you guys. I'm just going to go scavenge. They lived because they didn't fuck with us. Whoa. So just by natural so selection. So if you think about it, I mean, humans having like crazy weapons over the course of time we've just been like naturally breeding our animal even our wild animals to just kind of leave us alone so the natives put in some good fucking work yeah they went to battle for us so that we have nice bears left though polar bears will fuck you up yeah because there's no people out there so they don't have any concept of people and i i heard this on joe rogan's pod he was saying like because they're in the most barren hostile environment they have to be the most aggressive mm -hmm. like if they see food they're like it's happening because i yeah. don't know when my next meal is they're like the number one predator and they're there. huge like they're the biggest Massive. bear bigger than grizzlies mm -hmm. you know what's scary is that polar bears they're huge ass scary bears and they're aggressive right but they we don't really mind them because they don't fuck with us right because they live far away from us and we live far away from them but what's happening is that the snow is melting in the Arctic. Oh, so they're traveling south. Forcing their habitat closer. Yeah, they're forcing them closer. And they're starting to breed with grizzlies. Oh, shit. Which is creating a oh, new no. hybrid of bear. Oh, no. A bear that is going to be able to live in that environment. So eventually we Bro. won't have 
polar bears anymore. Oh, okay. They'll just evolve yeah. into this grizzly polar bear hybrid. Holy shit. So the scariest thing I heard about polar bears is on Joe Rogan's podcast, but it was on, they were talking about how this like group of guys was up in the Arctic and for some reason like their ship sank or some, something happened and they ended up where they were just on this piece of ice and this fucking polar bear was like a couple um, spots down on some other ice and it was like trying to hunt but it wasn't successful <gasps> so it came over like another chunk of ice and then like another no. chunk of ice where it's like right by them but they could swim too right oh yeah yeah so it's like just swimming in between right so then this is like jaws yeah it notices them oh so no what it does is it swims up and it Ooh. punches the ice <gasps> and, the, and the guy slides down yeah. to one side and he grabs the guy <gasps> no pulls him under the water and <gasps> takes him up onto the other piece of ice oh he's done and they they all they heard was the screams and the bear just ate the dude <gasps> yeah, he's right done. there and oh all of them just watched him eat him yeah and then That's the bear just sat there full of blood because you know they're all oh white so he's God. like full of the dude's blood that and he's just looking at him terrifying like, like dessert's coming soon no. yeah He's like, I'm good right now. I'm 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 full, but I'll but be back. You're marked. <laughs> oh my god, that's. And then they eventually got rescued. That was all they were waiting oh. to get rescued. Oh my god, man! Just, like, their yeah. They can make a movie about that. Yeah, they should make they, a movie about have. that. Where you're just waiting for the helicopter, please yeah. show up, and the bear's like pacing around. What's the one with Blake Lively and the Great White Shark? Have you guys seen that one? Oh no, I haven't. Is that a, like a new Jaws version or something? Yeah, or it's it's kind of cheesy. I don't know. It might be based on a or is that the one with like they're, they're like on that like life or not the but the like the buoy out in the ocean right or no that sounds familiar actually it's like a red buoy but it wasn't they it was just her oh it was just so her. it must be a different i was thinking yeah, there's a few <laughs> yeah because like what what do you do you just survive it yeah you just gotta try to not fall in the water i guess but even if you do like yeah you could just punch it and get smart with leverage and mm. you gotta remember they're they're used to hunting seals so they're pretty slippery true humans aren't really that slippery yeah no we like <laughs> we're literally useless like have you seen without the show our alone tools, yeah. yeah without, without our, our tools. tools but i mean we're soft skin we've outsmarted everything yes no, we have our brains. Because you know, even when I, when I was a kid, pro. they said that we couldn't support any more population in the world, right? Like, yeah. we're gonna run out of food. Yeah. Then genetic engineering comes along, and then it's like, oh, actually, we're well, good. Well, we are gonna run out of food. Like, we cannot sustain the amount that. Well, the but you percentage. have to remember. You have to remember that the amount of people. Yeah. That's more intellect that's involved. Yeah. What do you mean? So when you have a problem. That's more people to work through the problem. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I don't think that we're ever going to reach a point where we're just fucked. I Unless think there it's will something be. that we invent that causes our own demise. Like COVID is a good example. Or a nuclear <laughs> bomb or... Something like that. But yeah. it's not going to be because we like run out of food or water. It's going to be because we do something like that. Yeah. But I feel like... No, I agree with what you're saying about how, like, our resources will just get channeled into whatever the new need is, right? Like, we'll just use our brains toward a new development. But no, the like, the way the world's set up with how the rich percent of the world is basically thriving off of the backs of the poor, right? Like, oh, it's always been. 
Yeah, but not to this scale where like this is made in China. This is made in China. This everything is made in China for on well, slaves. But backs. think about like even medieval times. I mean, it used to be just a few people in a kingdom and everybody else was serfs. No, it's not a new pattern, but it's exponential now. Yeah, our resources have changed. Back then, our resources weren't as plentiful. And I'm not saying like apocalypse. I'm just saying I think there's got to be a shift because I don't think it's sustainable to to have such large-scale slavery to the extent that we have it now. Or even just the large-scale poverty that we have. Poverty. A third I mean, of the world still cooks over an open fire. Oh, yeah. We're, yeah. we're 1% of the richest population. Yeah, even the people in poverty here are doing good. Yeah. In comparison well, to the world. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You go over to a few countries overseas, there's people struggling. Which people. you have, right? Like, even in, like, okay, in Europe, people tout Europe. People in Europe don't have washer and dryers. They're still really? hanging shit outside, yeah. See, I would love to do that. <laughs> I've always kind of been that way. Mm -hmm. Not me. No? no? You're more ambitious. More like excess. Yeah. Well, you climb the ladder the hard way. The... Well, growing up, we didn't have a whole lot, a lot of time. Yeah. yeah. But there was a lot of emphasis on the property that we did have. What do you mean? Like anything that we did have was always like, it was always saved for and it was a good purchase and it was like top Quality. of the line shit. Okay. And then you had to take care of it. Yeah. That's a smart way to do it. It is, but then you go without a lot of things because you're always saving for something. Okay. You see what I'm saying? So where, where are you on that scale now? I'm in the middle somewhere. That's probably I good. still like my things though. Yeah. Gadgets yeah. and gizmos. Yeah, $600 litter box. Yeah. <laughs> Why, is it self-changing? Yes. Is it the one that Pam Beasley promotes on Instagram? Oh my gosh, does she have a litter box Yeah, it's, it's like, oh, what's it called? I can't remember. But she's funny. Yeah, yeah it she weighs, talks about it. It weighs the cats every time they go into it. Oh. It like keeps a, keeps a record of how long they go to the bathroom and how many times a day. Hey lady, how are you? Hi, Wendy. Table time. I asked Faye if she would share her bumblebee story. Oh, neat. Tell like, it. I asked you because of your tattoo. Yes. I want to see it. Okay, here it is. My Aww. little bumblebee. It was actually a carpenter bee. Carpenter bee? Yeah, it was a carpenter bee, which is a little bit different than a bumblebee. They only live like their mature lives for three months. And so, or they only live like year round for like three months. So they're born, they hatch, and then they're mature, and they go and they find a mate, and they bury their eggs, and then they die. Huh. Wow. That's their whole life. And they pollinate a few plants along the way. So I was just chilling outside one day. Just. Well, the, the real story is I had just gotten back from Bridgeway, which is a mental hospital in Arkansas, because mm -hmm. I had just tried to kill myself a couple of weeks before mm -hmm. with a rifle. Oh my God. Yeah. 
Or, no, it was a shotgun. It was a sawed-off shotgun. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's definitely no room for error there. Yeah. Something. Well, instead I ended up just blasting a hole in a tree. Well, okay then. And screaming. Anyways, so I just returned from Bridgeway, and I'm sitting outside, and I'm smoking a cigarette, which is a habit I picked up at Bridgeway. So I'm smoking a cigarette, and I'm just sitting there, and I feel kind of numb. I don't feel sad, and I don't feel angry, and I don't feel happy. I just feel numb. Mm. I'm just kind of sitting there, and I'm like, I don't think I'll ever feel happy again. I don't think mm. that's an emotion that I'm allowed to have, mm. you know? And, like, I don't know if I'll be able to smile or laugh again. Was mm. what was my thought process. Mm. And so, as I'm sitting there, I see this little bee approach me from the corner of my eye and he like flies right up like this close to my face like, <laughs> flies like an inch away from my face your eyes went crossed yeah, I, when you I did literally that. was cross eyed looking at this little guy and I was like can I help you like I literally said that I was like can I help you were you scared no I mean a little I was wary I yeah. was kind of like what he do you want he grabbed your attention yeah exactly like what do you want are you gonna sting me but then instead he started just flying around and doing like these little tricks for me. He started like spinning in circles and like flying up really high and then like doing these dive bombs. And then he would stop and like show his like little shiny black butt at me. <laughs> He'd look back at me like, aren't I cute? <laughs> he was so cute. Anyways, he made me laugh. He made me like, he made me smile. So he did this for a while, and then whenever I would stop paying attention to him, like if Rosie p pulled my attention, Rosie's my dog, if Rosie pulled my attention, uh, he would get mad and he would fly and kick the top of my head with his little feet and be like, look at me! Really? Yeah, he'd be like, look at me, stop paying attention to her! <laughs> like he'd kick me and he'd buzz really angrily. Gzz. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And then, so this went on for three days, and I would bring him flowers, and he would you know drink from the flowers and, and I chill. love that because you're such a cook like a, mm -hmm. a food provider yeah. you did for this bee. <laughs> oh, I need to get him some flowers so I went and got him a big like purple iris and a big like yellow daffodil and all this Aww. stuff like I got him a variety oh. you know got him a little buffet and so he hung out with me for three days and there's these wasps called paper wasps and they're really aggressive and they'll sting you for like absolutely zero reason and once they sting you, they inject you with a pheromone that will make you more likely to be stung again. Really? Yeah, they mark you they as mark a, you. Yeah, they mark you as an enemy. So the more you get Whoa. stung, the more likely you are to get stung again. Whoa. Yeah, so they'll just fly up and sting you for literally no reason. So these wasps would come up and fly at me and they would like come zooming straight for me and then he would come flying around the corner and he'd chase them around the house. <laughs> He would chase them away from me. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, he's standing, he's so sticking up for yeah, you. Yeah, he'd he's stick like, up for me. She's my friend. Yeah, you don't hurt my friend. And then he'd come and he'd sit down next to me, look up at me like, did Aww. I do a good job? Aww. Yeah, so we chilled. And then, you know, the third day I didn't see him again, but it meant mm -hmm. a lot to me at the time. You know, just having a little friend that could make me smile and laugh. And he was just kind of... At that exact moment. At that exact moment where I needed something like that. Something mm -hmm. to just make me feel like the world wasn't so shitty. Yeah. You know, he came along. 
So yeah, I got a little tattoo of him the next year on my So what's cage. like the message of the bee? The message of the bee is that there's beauty in even the smallest things and that you just need to like hold on and just everything's going to be okay. You know, mm. even if it's not like it wasn't anything that was significant and like, uh, I guess in quantity way, but in quality, it was very significant. Mm. You know, it just kind of made me feel like, okay, I can be happy again. I can smile again. It's not a permanent condition. I won't mm. be depressed forever. Mm. It was like a little sign of hope. The bee is like the sign of hope. Yeah. He was my little, my little messenger telling me, hey, you may not be happy now, but you can feel this way. Mm. You know? I've had quite a few moments of that, I feel like, lately. Or like, in my journey of Texas, just feeling like, am I ever going to be happy again? Like, is that possible? Yeah. And those... Those moments are hard to get through because you feel like, you really feel like you won't be able to find, find it. But it's in like those simple things. Yeah, like what helps you find it now that... Just reminding myself, I think the, the reason why I was the most unhappy is that I had all these expectations. Mm. But I wasn't keeping them realistic. Mm. And so what I was doing instead, I was depressing myself because I would give myself like these huge unrealistic expectations and then I wouldn't be able to fulfill them. And when I wasn't even able to fulfill like realistic goals, mm -hmm. and so I just felt like a complete and total failure, mm. you know? You felt like you were failing yourself. Yeah, I was failing myself and I needed something huge and monumental in order to be great. Took it seri yeah. seriously. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then this little bee comes along and he's like, look, man, I'm just a little bee. I'm not a pop star. You Hello. know, I don't, I can't even speak English. I'm not even going to be alive <laughs> next week, probably, <laughs> you know, but I'm just going to hang out with you and we're just going to have a good time. Like he taught me, like uh. he showed me to enjoy the moment, you know, and to not be so worried about the future, but to just kind of focus and enjoy what's happening right in front of me. You know. And he like, I mean, that was pretty special. Mm -hmm. That wasn't just like something clicked and like, oh, I had this thought. It's like he went out of the way to like mm -hmm. hang out with like me a, every day. a message day. from the universe. Yeah, for like, three days. And like there were so many other carpenter bees because I had this purple tree that came up right to my porch and it had all the, these blossoms. So the tree oh, wow. was covered in carpenter bees. Wow. None of them approached me except for him. Oh. And he would do that. And I knew it was him because he would do the same thing every time. Yeah. He'd come and do his same like little silly dance, oh. you know, and sit down next to me or oh. kick me when I wasn't paying attention <laughs> to him. Like he was just so cute. I didn't, I never named him, but he I was, was going to ask friend. you that. Like, did you name him? No, he was just my friend. He just was your friend. Yeah. I don't know if he was a boy or a girl either, so. But you say he, like, he, he's yeah. your buddy. He's my buddy. I say he because he was also doing, like, his mating dance. <laughs> I looked so, like, it up. your boyfriend. Yeah, my like... boyfriend. Like, he was flirting with me. I looked it up. That's how, like, bees flirt with each other is they show their shiny black butts. Like, 
got the biggest shiny. You jealous, Darren? Yeah. <laughs> Watch out. Jealous of Mr. the little. Mr. Steal Your Girl <laughs> coming over here. <laughs> He's like... walking over with his shiny black butt. I'm just thinking I need to buy a bee costume. You need a bee. How do you get through moments like that, Derek? Depression. Yeah, like feeling like it's never going to be okay. Whatever that looks like. I just had to, I just remind myself that I've already been through it before and that it just comes and goes. Yeah. So I've been depressed most of my life with at least a low grade depression and it goes to where it gets extreme and it just kind of goes up and down. But, um, yeah, I pretty much just try to keep everything in perspective. With the depression, I'm like very curious about this relationship of like, do you feel like it's genetic, like chemical, or do you feel like it's circumstance? I feel like mine, I feel like it's kind of both, but a lot of it's genetic because I got ADHD anyway, and it kind of, feed, one feeds the other. Really? Because, yeah, because with ADHD, there's a lot of times where I get mad at myself for either not being able to pay attention enough to like people's conversations or even like an intimacy or just things that you want to be present for that you can't be present for. Hmm. And then the other thing is just when things don't get done, it, it kind of affects you and makes you depressed. You like and then, beat yourself up about it. Yeah, and then depression is kind of one of those things where it just kind of snowballs. Unless you take it on head on. And the only way to do it head on is to set small goals and then just dig yourself out slowly. Really? Getting things goals. done. Yeah. So like, so like if you can't get out of bed, your goal may just be to get out of bed and make yourself, you know, something to drink. No. That's still huh. that's still better than where you were. Yeah. So one thing I do when I'm in one of those really depressed episodes where I just don't feel like doing anything anymore is I just think about, I compare myself to yesterday. Am mm. I better than yesterday? As long as I'm better than yesterday, then I'm doing well. Huh. And then that's how I dig myself out is I think of, well, how am I going to be better for tomorrow? So I'll just add one more thing to my pile until yeah. you finally get everything done and then you have something that you can look back on and say well I am good for something yeah is it hard to have that awareness to be like like to kind of self-motivate and be like am I better than yesterday like that meta moment of awareness really um it's something that I had to develop but I don't think that it's that difficult once you get in the mood because it to be better than yesterday doesn't isn't a far needle to push. I think as long as you try, but not to beat but yourself up. But the snowball, up. right? Like beforehand, yeah. it's like it has to get worse and worse first, and then all yeah, of a sudden you don't catch it because sometimes catch it. sometimes depression you'll feel it, but it becomes a new normal, and then your threshold gets higher and higher for when like the alarm bells start sounding off in your mind, like mine. I know when mine's getting bad because my house will just be a wreck. Okay. Because so you have the visual not, of like, it's a mess outside and it's a mess inside. And that's actually how depression is. You know, there's a lot of psychiatrists that say, if you're depressed, just clean up your room. 
Because yeah. your room but that's is actually when you're your room is an externalization of how you feel. Yeah. It's yeah. A your room is in chaos, you're in chaos. Yeah. Your room is order, you're in order. Yeah. And you can feel it when you step into a room, whether it's organized or not, it'll make you feel a certain way. Even if you're okay with the mess. But see for me when I see the mess, even if when I'm okay with it, it still looks like a failure to me. It's a failure mm. of not doing something that I should have done already. Mm. Like so a procrastination then, type thing? Yeah. Or? So I was shamed for that a lot as a child, so I still okay. internalize a lot of that. So yeah, so... Yeah, the biggest thing is just realizing that a snowball is what got you into it. So a snowball is what's going to get you out. And that just takes Ooh. building things on as time goes on. Letting and keeping, go of a layer one by one. Yeah, Instead exactly. of accumulating exactly that's interesting though that you say that you were hard on yourself or like it, it was shamed because then you have this relationship of being hard on yourself for your ADHD and it's I was shamed for my because I wasn't diagnosed with ADHD until recently oh I was I was I was diagnosed with oppositional defiance disorder which basically means I was just hard to deal with that's like a precursor for kids that get diagnosed with ADHD, but that's like they don't want to give you the diagnosis yet. They don't want to study you a little longer. Really, I, it sounds more serious but than my, ADHD. But my parents, no, my, my parents, um, most kids are kind of defiant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But my parents didn't want me to keep seeing the shrink because they were starting to point in their direction on like you guys don't have a healthy environment. And so that's why this stuff is happening. So they wanted to keep to stop your growth because it was starting to shine light on their right shortcomings. Yeah. Right. Oh man. So I never got that diagnosis until much later. So it's just yeah. I messed up. It's crazy to me though too because even so say ADHD isn't diagnosed. But you're finding the pattern of behavior of like, it's hard to pay attention. And then you're hard on yourself for that because that was all you knew. Yeah. And yet and you are... You kind of just were like beating yourself up for something that you really had zero control over. Or little control over, at least. And I always had to... I was always like treating myself for it as well with like sugar, caffeine, drugs, alcohol, Did cigarettes. that help? Oh yeah, it helps because it, it raises your dopamine levels. Okay. And when your dopamine goes up, that's what ADHD doesn't have. So once really? you get your do yeah, once you get your dopamine levels up, then you can function. So depression is serotonin and ADHD is dopamine? Yeah. And that's there's probably a relationship there too. There's definitely right? it's antagonistic. So yeah. So with ADHD your serotonin levels are a little bit higher, but your dopamine levels are basically nothing. Okay. So then you become, you become thrill-seeking because anything that raises your dopamine feels good and makes you feel normal. So speeding, like random sex, drugs, all that stuff mm -hmm. is good to your brain, but obviously it has its consequences. But that's the reason why a lot of people act like that have ADHD they're, and they're more likely to die young because they, they take, take so really? many chances yeah they take a lot of chances that normal people wouldn't take
we're also really impulsive as well and so the impulsiveness also leads to depression because you're making choices that you're not really thinking through so there's like a lot of different facets to it all it's layered it's layered but most people who have ADHD have depression I did not know that do you think a lot of people with depression would have ADHD um some but I think it's it's more comorbid in the other's direction. Okay. It's, yeah. And a lot of it stems, too, from, like, fitting the social norms, right? Being yeah. Having ADHD, you're not neurotypical. So you so, get yeah. shamed a lot. And so that can cause depression because you feel like, so what, I'm not normal. Something's wrong with me. Yeah. So what they think happened was that evolutionarily, back in the day, everybody was pretty much ADHD. Because yeah. you need to be conscious, conscious vigilant. of your surround. Yeah, vigilant, exactly. But in today's age, where we're all sitting still and doing what we need to do. And yet we old, all have anxiety now. Yeah, that old pattern doesn't work anymore. I feel like there's a good function to ADHD and anxiety in that, like, it's an action yeah. Oriented. Yeah, actually, there's a reason for anxiety function. is for I, us to go do stuff. It's fuel. I, yeah, because if we weren't in, anxious about getting food, we would have no motivation to go get food. Yeah. And no motivation to stay alive. So for me personally, I actually consider it to be my superpower. Whoa. So in one, so in one sense, like I can't read a novel from start to finish, and that pains me that I can't. I just can't. I won't get more than two pages, and I'll my mind will just start swimming on other things. So I mean, I can watch a movie, but it's way more stimulating. It's visual. Visual. And it's visual. Yeah. Or play a game. I could play a game for eight hours straight, and that mm. would be fine. And I'll play it better than anyone else because mm -hmm. I'm so intense on it. Well, that's the thing. Like when you're saying ADHD is like a deficit and being hard on yourself and being shamed for it. It's like, but you are so um, like exceptional in so many areas, like brilliant. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. the that's, fact that. <laughs> that's what the psychiatrist said is the reason why it went so long undiagnosed. You, it was like She high said my high IQ was so high that it basically offset. So basically I would always figure my way out of problems that the ADHD would cause. Does the, so then does the ADHD tie into the IQ? I think it kind of does. So that's what I was going to say. Like at my job, I'm a technician, so I fix problems. Well, with ADHD, it's like I'm constantly brainstorming. Oh my gosh, that's cool. And so like I can fix problems faster than anyone else. But at the same time, I can't read through the tech manual. <laughs> That's <laughs> like, so funny. I have, to, I have to read through it in small bursts. So when did you turn ADHD or like the behavior, because you didn't always have the diagnosis, that like tendency into a superpower? Like how did that transformation happen? I think it all happened when I joined the Navy um, and went into the nuclear power program. The In high school... I always struggled academically. I always had like decent grades, but I just struggled. And when I went into the nuclear program, it was sink or swim. And it was all negative reinforcement. And that's kind of how I grew up, was negative reinforcement kind of fueled the fire. So I did whatever it took. And so I was taking five grams of caffeine a day. I don't know what I, that means. So How much is in this coffee, would you say? Not that much. Like, a soda has, like, a few milligrams. Like Oh, my God. 
Like an energy drink has like 240 milligrams. Holy shit. So five grams of five caffeine? Five grams of caffeine. How were you even consuming that? So I was drinking two two liters of soda and I was drinking four of the monster BFCs, oh which God. is the the big fucking cans. Those are the big massive ones that they don't even sell anymore. And, and you then, know the sugar fucks up with your hormones too, like dopamine and serotonin. Oh yeah, but it actually oh helps AD, AD, ADHD. It'll even you out. Oh my God. So I would. So you're be, medicating yourself with so, two two liters. Of, oh and then all God. these energy drinks, and then I would eat. Um, I would eat chocolate, uh, chocolate covered coffee beans, what and I would fuck? take caffeine pills. <laughs> oh my God. I would take caffeine, caffeine pills, pills all day long, and then when that stopped working. Later, when I was out to sea, after I, after I graduated and everything, I was um, taking ephedrine and all kinds of stuff that I could get a hold of, like truck stops and stuff like that. And I never realized, like, all I knew was is that I could perform when I had that stuff. I didn't realize, I just thought I was just, like, cranking, you know, like, because people say, like, oh, I can't do anything without my coffee. Yeah. Well, I couldn't do anything without, like, five cups of coffee. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, oh my, okay, okay. So you say extreme. there's consequences to these behaviors. Like, did you find a consequence to all this massive amounts of caffeine? Well, my blood pressure is not very good. That's it? <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, it seems like a fair price to pay. <laughs> no, but I mean, I mean, um, struggling with weight more depression with all of those oh yeah caffeine also induces anxiety with oh, all yeah. of those yeah. with all of that stuff going on also and then i had like a bad home life going on one thing fed another so yeah there's consequences to everything but you were doing what you needed to do to cope and to survive in the navy right and so also you had to memorize all this different stuff, which is not my strong suit. Okay. So it wasn't good enough to just have an answer. You had to have the exact answer. And they would give you like a hunt they would give you like hundred and twenty pages. You had to memorize every page. And then when they asked you a question, you have to basically recite one of the pages from start to finish. Whoa. Every single word has to be in its place. Whoa, I don't know if I could do that. <laughs> And, and, so, and you're sleep deprived and all this stuff. Yeah, right? yeah, they do all that stuff on purpose. So at that time, I was spending between 60 to 80 hours a week studying. Oof. It's like a full-time job. It's like two full-time jobs. Working yeah. two full-time jobs. And I was just memorizing because it wasn't my strong suit. And I was like taking all this fucking shit. Were you memorizing like while you were doing other things? No, I was just memorizing while I was taking all this all this sugar and caffeine and all this stuff like that's what was keeping me going so did you ever try the sleep memorizing trick so what i used to do is i would study up until midnight yeah i would sleep and then i would come back at 5 a.m yeah and, and study again what i would do people would always get pissed off whenever i needed to memorize because i used to do speech and debate and i'd have to memorize the speeches oh, yeah and the, the way I could memorize my speech is I read it three times. That's all it took, maybe three or five times. Fell asleep, woke up, had it memorized. Wow. Because your brain does this cool thing that like it stores 
all the recent activity and memories while you sleep. It like so recalibrates it. it. Yeah, it makes it a long, it turns it from a short term memory into a long term memory. Okay. So that's how you get long term memories so, by storing it while you sleep. So, one other thing that I realized was micro breaks. So, if you study something intensely for, let's say, 20 minutes, take a take like a two minute break and just let your mind not think about anything and just doze off then go right back to it and it'll, you'll pick it up way better than where you thought you were yeah break the concentration mm. to re rest yeah give hey. your brain a second to come table time yeah hey girl. <gasps> how was the concert it was super good we were just tired yeah we we had a great time um it was fun listening to all the bands, which were, they were really good. But by the time like the, the eleven hit, it, oh, I was falling asleep in the chair, and she was ready to go to bed. Yeah, <laughs> so I was like, yeah, let's go. That's my kind of concert. Right? Yeah. <laughs> all the fuck is cute. Well, I thought I, I thought I heard some voices, so I wanted to. Play. You can come oh, hang yeah. out. Are you gonna hang out? Uh, you no, just. I'm not gonna lie. I just woke up, so oh. I was Fair enough. Do Everybody's your thing. sleeping time. Oh, but anyways, Derek, you know you're the first male voice on the podcast, <laughs> and really? I kind of had a feeling that you would be. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, it's all nice. women that I have life chats with. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Add a little bass to it. <laughs> I um, love the name of your podcast, My Own Mama. It's so cute. Thank you. Like it holds so much meaning behind those little words because people could hear it and they're like, I can relate. Well, they, I heard on a podcast somebody else say like, make your mess your message. And that's been my mess, you know, like, yeah. and I love her. Our relationships changed like drastically now because yeah. I've become my own mama. Yeah. Like that transformation yeah. is what brought healing to our relationship, right? Do you ever wonder and think like maybe some women just weren't meant to be mothers? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I am though. Yeah. No, definitely. It's not I just think mothers, some it's parents. Just parents. Yeah. yeah. Some people aren't meant to be parents cuz they're just they want their children to be their parent. Yes. You know, in a lot of ways I felt like I was that way for my mom. She needed us to be her emotional support system, yeah. to be her emotional stabilizer when as a child you're supposed to be getting that from your parents yeah. not doing that for your parents yeah you know and then but I have so much compassion for my mom and like that generation because the only way I was healing and getting my shit done was through podcasts meditating yoga like all these things that I would not have access to without the internet yeah which we have yeah and it's kind of like a resource like hey this is how you what you do to feel better at the That's same true. time though Communication has caused a lot more stress. Oh, big time. There's such a dark side. Because when I was a kid, we had peace and just driving down the road. Yeah. Like our Sunday Simple. our Sunday was, let's drive around the neighborhood and just see what's going on. Yeah. And there was nobody calling. There, People would just come over mm -hmm. and just hang out. And there was no social media. If you wanted to figure out what was going on with somebody, you had to go see them. Mm-hmm. And everybody knew you in town, and it was m much more social. With that connection to society, 
in a lot of ways it's stressful but in a lot of ways it de-stresses you because mm-hmm. you feel connected and now we don't have that connection anymore mm-hmm. or we have to mindfully try make it yeah but a lot of people don't even want the connection like no. it, i try to introduce myself to my neighbors you know anytime anybody changes out most i stop doing it because most people don't even like care to know their neighbors mm. you know so yeah that's it's the a way. balance of the two right because i feel like that generation there was so they, they had to work hard in order to make ends meet right and our generation does too but we have more convenience in our lives more that allows the, us more time and energy to be able to have make space to process and go back to simpler times out of choice rather than out of necessity necessity but that that necessity also made you really smart because you had to come up with ways to do things whereas now it's just kind of like you're just relying on what other people tell you like google yeah Mm -hmm. before you had to just come up with it on your own or like network to find out right yeah but it's it's a gift because i couldn't do this trailer without google and youtube there's no chance. Exactly. Exactly. Right? So it's like speeding up the... Maybe. But maybe you would have gotten contact with other people too. I would have. But the time crunch that I have, I don't have time to go to a plumber, learn everything, and apply it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm barely going to make it. And there's some sort of empowerment in being able to find the resource yourself and teach it yourself too. People used to be much more willing to do things for free too for people. Yeah. That's true. Whereas, They'd help each other out. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas now it's resources. like, all right, how much? Because we, you yeah. know, you would get to know your neighbor, but that doesn't just mean that you talk. Yes. That means that you help each other. Yeah. And that's what people don't want. People don't want the responsibility to someone else. You well, know? it's so high demand too now, right? Because it is so much more fast paced. It's like you can't just help everyone who asks for it because there's like triple the people. Yeah. In cities, right? Yeah. Then. And you'd be stretching yourself so thin, thin trying to just help tell you, everybody. We were talking about depression earlier. The other way that I've dug myself out of out of depression was just helping other people. Because there were so many times where I didn't care whether or not I took a shower that day, as gross as that sounds. No, no judgment. But when my but when my friend said, Hey, I need help with something, that's easy for me to to motivate and say, I can go help my friend. And then they're grateful as hell that you helped them. And then that makes you in turn be like, okay, things aren't so bad. Derek, this is what my own mama is. Yeah. It's taking care of yourself as if you're someone else. Yeah. And that's because the most important lesson. Because then you show lesson. up for other people better. Yeah. But, and you did that externally. Like you would actually help people and then feel better. Well, another reason why I feel like people have so much depression nowadays is because we're communal animals. We're yeah. meant to we're be. Connection. We're packed animals. We're pack animals. And that's we're, one other thing that you were talking about when you yeah. were talking about having a rough childhood. You know, when you have like childhood PTSD or something like that yeah. that you're dealing with, self-care is the last thing on your mind. Because you don't think you don't you're think, worth think, it. Exactly. It's a worthiness wound, which at the end of the day, I feel like is just fear. Yeah. And the only thing stronger than fear of like I'm not enough or I'm too much is love. 
Yeah. It's the only thing stronger. And I think a mother's love is one of the strongest forces on earth. I think. Yeah, and it's supposed to help block out that fear. But if you don't really, if you can't depend on that, then you kind of grow up fearful. I think Absolutely. as an adult, the most important thing that you can do, and I waited too long to do it, was just to realize your parents are just people. They made mistakes, and you'll never understand the context and the frame of mind that they were in when they made those mistakes. Mm -hmm. And then I look at my own self with my own parenting and realizing I'm making mistakes. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those things where as an adult, just like when you're leaving a bad relationship, you can choose to enter a new relationship with all the baggage from the last relationship, mm -hmm. but that's just gonna ruin everything else. Well, so many people are running around and they still hate their parents mm -hmm. for stuff that was done long ago. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to forgive your parents. How do you do that? This, I am so passionate about forgiveness these days. One thing that I heard was, I don't know, cause I said that to a therapist one time. Well, I know I should forgive my parents. And she said, why? The most that you can do is understand, but like forgiveness is a choice. Like understanding will bring you peace, but forgiving, that's like a personal choice at least. You know? So what's your relationship with forgiveness? I feel like I've forgiven my mom for a lot of the stuff that she's done because I've been able to understand the motives behind what she's done. Because at the time I wasn't able to understand her motive for discipline me, disciplining me in a certain way or going about things in a certain way but now looking back as an adult oh, yeah. I'm like okay that makes sense and then I look at say what I'm recording table time yeah girl <laughs> you're a Leo okay you need to embrace this <laughs> you should have the mic right in front of you she has a lot of good things to say I know they both do this like is perfect talking. timing that they're here right yeah. now. Like, legit. Yeah, she was just telling us she, like, ran out of episodes or something. I well, really... So I ran out of episodes, and then the week um, opened up, and Elizabeth moved in. Oh. So then we recorded a podcast. Nice. And then I was doing the math and realizing that that was the perfect week yeah. to record um roommate episodes perfect timing and perfect timing that you guys are here today yeah to answer your to answer your question on how you forgive your parents yes oh i was gonna say yes that looking at my mom's actions i was able to understand and forgive her for some of that stuff then looking at my dad's actions some of it he's just being a sadistic asshole and I don't have to forgive a sadistic asshole. I can stand by my beliefs and not compromise and be like, you know what? That was actually really fucked up what he did. Yeah. It was fucked up. There's no excuse for it. Can you do both, though? I feel like you saying, I feel like they did the best that they could. I feel like that's the key part. That's Feeling like the they part. tried. I don't feel like my dad tried. You I feel, feel like my mom tried to be a good parent. Okay. I feel like, I don't feel like my dad tried. So I feel like my mom deserves forgiveness. My dad does not because he's smarter and he should have known better. Okay. You know, that's where I kind of draw the line. So what does, what does like not forgiving your dad do for you and for him? Like, how does that? What settle? it does for me, it brings a lot of just realizing that he's wrong about a lot of things made me feel 
better because he said a lot of fucked up shit about me growing up. And realizing that he's wrong means that he can be wrong about me. Okay. You know? He told me I was... He told me crazy shit. He told me I was possessed by a demon. He told me, you know, that I was Satan's favorite child or whatever. Shit like that. Yeah. You know? And if I know that he's fucked up and he can be wrong about stuff, then I, then I know I'm right and he's wrong. Yeah. You know? And that's kind of like, you know what? He's just a messed up person and that has no reflection on me whatsoever. That's severe. Like, that sounds like schizophrenia or some shit. Like, that's intense. Yeah. He lived in a lot of fear. He kind of had, I mean, he had a fucked up childhood growing up. But that's the thing is that because his childhood was so fucked up, that's why I feel like he should have known a little bit better because he knew what it was like to be in that type of like fear situation and being fearful of your parent, you know? Some people become carbon copies of what they hate and some people are the opposite. Exactly. And that's what you did. Like you make an effort to not. Exactly. So then you're like, well, you should have done the same. Exactly. I feel like because, and he's, he's a really smart guy. He's like so intelligent that I feel like he could have, he could have, if he wanted to, Mm. that's Mm. what I feel like if he really wanted to. And if he wasn't so fucking prideful, he could have, but he wouldn't let his pride, you know, he wouldn't let it down. It was always his way. What about you, Derek? Well, for me, I mean, there's certain things that are really hard to forgive. But for me, when my mom died, Mm. before she died, we had a lot of intense conversations about my childhood and different things. And a lot of it I didn't like. A lot of it was worse than what I thought. And so a couple years into processing her death, I came to the realization that holding on to these grudges for her didn't make any sense. Because it's like, grudges are like swallowing poison and hoping it hurts the other person. Like, you're just hurting yourself. There's no... So I ended up just saying, okay, I need to let this go. And then through that process, I just started like ruminating all these different events and then trying to look at it from an external perspective instead of while it's happening to you mm-hmm. just looking at it from an external perspective and it helped me process it in a different way and then eventually I was just like okay you know I had to go through the five stages and then eventually accept it and was like okay well she did the best that she could I think my mother was mentally ill so in her mind she was doing the right thing and I do think that in her mind she was doing the right thing but it just didn't have that effect on me because it was always to her benefit and um, my dad was just never there he didn't want to deal with my mother and even to this day we kind of have an estranged relationship But now, I mean, now I kind of have some ill will towards my father, but only because of recent transgressions, not the stuff that happened in childhood. Mm. So I kind of just tried to close the book on my childhood and just say it is what it is, and I'm a different person now. I'm not in that situation anymore, and it's not doing me any good to hold on to these feelings and just to try to let them go. Because if you don't do that your glass is already half full when you're walking through life and there's too many things in life 
to fill up your glass. You can't walk around with it already half full. Mm. You can only take so much. So it's just a question of, you know, do you want... You know, because I start asking myself questions like, do I really want my past transgressions to define my future? Like, do I really want all these previous events to define how I go forward and how I see things? No. Hmm. <laughs> but the only person, like, all of that stuff, all the stress you feel, all the anxiety, it's all internal. So it's all based on your outlook on the situations. Ooh. Rather than the situation itself. Correct. When you're looking at the past. Right. Because somebody said, like, nobody can make you feel a certain way. And that's, like, a common thing, I 100%. think, that people say. But I don't agree. No, it's 100% it's true. Okay, let's debate it. Okay. So let's just say anger is a good example, right? Okay. Anger. Anger is a secondary emotion. No one just feels anger. Anger comes from another emotion. So if somebody humiliates you, then you can feel humiliated okay. and then you get angry because you've chosen to be angry. Okay. So when something hits you in the chest, you choose, like, it's like in a split second. What you about choose primary how, emotions, like fear? Okay, fear. You choose your fears as well. Okay, but here's where I disagree. Okay. I agree the anger thing is cool. And I think like when we're in an angrier headspace, we perceive anger more easily. It's called something in psychology, I forget. Yeah. Um, but with fear, like say your your yeah. dad or say my mom. I feel like fear is a more primal emotion it's too. It's primal. If when you're a kid and somebody is threatening you, you yeah. feel fear. Yeah. And they cause that. Yeah. Or and like you're jogging through the woods and a bear starts chasing you. What's yeah. the natural Okay, reaction? well let me ask you this. People who are scared of heights and people who aren't, what's the difference? One feels vertigo and the other one just stands there and looks at it and they know that they could die if they slip off the edge, but they don't feel it. But that's why like, doesn't it trigger that part the of the brain? That's the stimulation that's the same, not the feeling. Right. So one person might you go. I think emotions are the the reactions that we have from the environment so if you're growing up with people in your life that ha are instill fear in you that you constantly are getting in trouble or it's kind of like dogs if you treat them a certain way like say you give them a treat if they behave badly and the next person doesn't give them a treat well then all of a sudden they feel like they did something wrong because this other person said it was okay Mm -hmm. But this person isn't, so they're confused. Mm -hmm. That's when fear happens. It's mm -hmm. the it's the product of the environment that you're in. For somebody who doesn't like heights and somebody who does like heights, that person is still probably scared, but they're still looking at the what's around them, their environment that they're in, and being like, I could die. I could fall off of this cliff right now, but I'm not going to because I don't really want to end that way. The other person is like, I'm scared I will fall. I'm scared I will trip. I'm scared because I have had this experience before. Mm. So it's all it's all what you've already been through. It's it's like a flashback every time. It's trauma. what you're programmed to believe. But, but beyond that, what I'm saying is though you can get rid of those triggers. Yes. So for instance, people who are human trafficking survivors, for example, mm -hmm. those people will be triggered by a lot of different things. 
but eventually like through counseling and stuff some of those people have gone on and done like crazy courageous stuff mm -hmm. and gone right into what makes them the, the, the most scared right mm -hmm. and so facing like fears. yeah exactly facing your fears so mm -hmm. fear is one of those things like okay like here's a good one the most common fear that is in the world what do you think it is public speaking yeah exactly like she said it the people are more scared of that than death yeah they would rather die than, than scared no! of speak. oh man right? that's crazy but the thing is like i used to be afraid of public speaking too really then when you go up and you do it a bunch because mm -hmm. i used to teach all these classes and stuff taught thousands of people when you speak a bunch you're no longer afraid because you realize it's irrational Holy right crap. so all that all the, the only difference the stimuli like you said is the same the only difference is my frame of mind is completely different yeah. and i realize i'm in control that's the same thing of the guy that's dangling over the edge he's like i'm in control of the situation i'm not dying today mm -hmm. well a lot of how we react to things is from conditioning like you're saying mm -hmm. yep. you know you can be conditioned to be afraid or you can be conditioned to love it and people. that threshold that you were talking about too, like some people have a higher threshold for thrill seeking, right? Like speeding mm -hmm. and stuff isn't gonna scare them as much as another person or the fear is like translated differently, almost like a boost. Okay, when you first started learning how to drive, I bet you when you looked down at the radio, you were kind of scared because you're like, oh, I'm gonna take my eyes off the road. Mm -hmm. Now you do it, I don't, I hardly keep my eyes on the road because after You're a while with your feet yeah, and texting I'm looking at her I'm doing everything else but looking at the road right you just blush it's because you've done it so much that your 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 concept of what's dangerous is messed up you know and it's still you, just you as dangerous acclimated to that fear level danger. yeah exactly but all emotions you can basically control one way or the other i think there's emotional regulation but mm -hmm. i just i don't think when people say nobody can make me feel a certain way i think that can sometimes like be... especially with words how how you respond to someone who's talking to you is completely up to you mm -hmm. like there was that guy i forget his name um daryl davis i think was his name and he's this black guy who was this like popular like jazz musician and all this stuff and he's also a writer and his whole mission in life was to end racism and he went around and he got these guys with Ku Klux Klan outfits and stuff to turn them in and quit the Klan and all this stuff just by talking wow. to them wow and so wow like that was one of those things where they were afraid yeah of him just because of his skin color yeah. that's where racism comes from is it's just fear, fear. But after realizing, like, this guy's just like me, yep. they come around. And it's a whole nother train of thought. But it also goes, I mean, you can, but my point is, while he was going to those clan meetings and stuff, people are calling him every name in the book. And he was like, I knew I couldn't respond, I couldn't do anything, I couldn't, so I chose to just be calm, rational. Wow. And he's, he like, it's in, and he's like, it's intoxicating when you act like that, that people have to treat you with respect. Yeah, it's true. Oprah did that. She had a Ku Klux Klan member, member that she interviewed and he was 
you know, calling her a monkey or like she went oh my crazy, gosh. right? And she yeah. she kept her cool. Yeah. I think she was like she it's was unnerving Oprah, when you uh, keep your cool. It well, that was him too. He didn't let the guy give him any crap. Yeah. Like every time he called him stupid, or he said that like black people have smaller brains. Like he basically let him have his whole say and yeah. listen to everything that he was saying. And then he stopped him and he said, "Well, you know, we have we're we're on the same level here. You think I have a smaller brain than you?" Stuff like that, right? Like he Challenge. started just challenging him, without and then and without facts. pushing it too far, facts. without pushing it too far, and then he just let it sit there in his mind, right? Yeah. But yeah. anyway, my point is like, with the right with the right mindset, you can literally like get around all of your emotions if you really wanted to. You really choose your emotions. Hmm. Your responses to your emotions. Right. Because I think emotions are primal. I think it's addictive. It's physiological, right? Like, yeah. Again, if a bear comes up, sure, you're sweating. Like, you're when you get annoyed. Yeah. When I get annoyed, I start feeling like something, like a tea kettle that's on the stove. Yes. But how I choose to deal with that is my own choice. Yes. And there's the power. Or stay at the edge. Yeah. <clears throat> or remove yourself, combust, Me, and then come back. <laughs> my, that's my choice. My favorite is just to remove myself off the fire and just let the tea kettle settle down. Oh, I don't let it blow off. That's good. Mm. That is good. My thing is, I do. I I have. Uh, naturally, I'm kind of an aggressive, disagreeable person. Really. Me too. So there is, and I and I and I used to be a screamer, and I used to get into fights and physical and all that kind of stuff. But I don't like that person, so I do every effort I can to just de-escalate. I just don't even want to deal with that other person. Why? Because it just hurts people. It hurts yourself. When that when that mm. other person comes out, there's not any regard for people's feelings or. Yeah. What the consequences are, or yeah. anything like that, and I don't feel like I'm in control. I have a rule: I bully the bullies. Those are the only people that all, you know, say like say stuff to. But see, you chose how to how to how to interact with that person. You could have yelled at them or something, and it would have just escalated the situation, and you didn't do it. Yeah. No. I like to... Uh, Pointing it out is fine. Yeah, but I was talking in my condescending voice. You know how still, I get. Still, though. Apparently, I found out a couple weeks ago that <laughs> if I get irritated <laughs> with somebody, I sound really condescending when I talk to them. I didn't... I wasn't aware of this. <laughs> she starts talking slow and like you can't understand Explain the it. words. Yeah, I'll you, be like... Like you don't physically... Yeah, like I'm like, <laughs> like I speak idiot. English, you know? <laughs> <laughs> You can just tell me, you can just tell me, heed my words because they're very important yeah. to your future. No, no. I'll be like, <laughs> open up the doors and take out the trash and then close the doors. Like, I'm just trying to talk slow because when I get upset, I start slurring my words and I start like slipping into my old speech impediment. So I try to talk slow to enunciate and make sure that my point is getting across. But a lot of times it sounds like I'm like, you're fucking stupid. <laughs> I know if she starts talking slow like that, I know I have to listen to whatever's happening. <laughs> so can okay. I ask you guys a final question? Yes. Actually, I have two. The first one is, you know how I said, like, make your mess your message? Mm -hmm. If you had a message 
for anyone listening out of your mess in your life, what would it be? To not be overconfident in your own abilities, but be confident in your ability to overcome. Mm. Wow, I was not expecting that. <laughs> Drop the mic. <laughs> uh, and I'm out. No, I'm <laughs> Damn. What about you, Derek? I would say that um, you need relationships more than you realize. Mm. And keeping track of the ones that you value the most is probably the most important thing. And then keeping in mind that you need over 20 positive interactions for every one negative one that you have hmm. to have a good relationship hmm. will serve you well. How do you make those positive experiences? They just have to flow. They have to flow. And by emotional regulation and treating people in a good way and then thinking of other people what they need before they need them being stuff conscientious. like that just being conscientious but beyond that is just just the way you deal with them day to day cool. if you're always crappy to somebody they're not going to like you hmm. there's a lot of people that you know like I've already been through basically two divorces now and I've also pissed off a lot of my friends. There's a lot of things I did that I regret in my 20s. And I just wasn't mature enough to understand the impact. Mm. And just looking back on it, I just realized, you know, before I would always like blame everyone else for my problems, but you realize your own impact. You know, so I would just say just keeping track of relationships mm. and making sure that they're as good as you can possibly make them. Healthy, healthy relationships. Yeah. What about you, Angel? Do you have anything about making your mess your message? Everything has a consequence, no matter if it's emotional or it's on your body or if it'll come back and bite you in the ass in 50 years. But everything you do has a consequence. Mm. That's key. That's another thing for the young people. Take care of your body because it doesn't get any healthier. <laughs> it literally doesn't. It's things, <laughs> things when they break, they don't go back when you get older. Yeah. Scars you don't go away. Your stomach and all, yeah, the scars. And... Just everything, everything you've ever done will come back to haunt you. You don't got nothing to worry every about. Every time you you've ever eat super healthy. Every time. <laughs> I didn't always. Yeah, but I'm saying like every time I, I hurt my back a lot when I was younger, it all came back to bite me. Yeah. Just everything. Mm. Okay, my next question is, what does being your own mama mean to you? What's a way that you can be your own mama for self care? Learning to be independent and content with yourself mm. and learning how to be by yourself in your worst times. Wow. Being there for yourself in your worst times. Yeah. Showing kindness to yourself. You know, I struggled a lot with, uh, you know, my parents was always go, go, go. It was, you know... I felt like I was always trying to prove myself and like 
I don't know, sometimes I'd be tired. And sometimes I'd get off work and I'm just tired, but I feel like, oh, I gotta go clean the house mm-hmm. or whatever. Being my own mama is like, you know what, just sit down. Mm-hmm. Just take 30 minutes to decompress, you know, and then you can go do whatever mm-hmm. you need to do. But just showing yourself kindness and showing yourself the care that, I don't know, I never got a lot of sympathy from my parents, but showing myself mm-hmm. sympathy basically, mm. instead of just bulldozing how I feel and not listening to my body, you know? Cause that's another thing, my mom would never listen to her body and she would get sick all the time. Wow. Yeah, so listening to your body is, is key. Drop the mic again. <laughs> and I'm curious about a male perspective on this, Derek. Like what, how do you interpret my own mama or like how would that be for you? Well, I think even though you escape your parents when you get to be an adult and you kind of do your own thing and you make up your own rules, you're still making up your own rules. You're still dictating how you're living your life. And I think approaching yourself kind of as like a third party and just being honest with yourself and just kind of um, assessing where you're at and kind of parenting yourself a little bit in your head, I think that's what I closely associate with that. I love that, like a third party association. I do that like, all the time. Yeah, when I when I introspect, I look at it from my perspective, I look at it from another person's perspective if I'm looking at a situation, and then I try to look at it from a third party perspective. Yeah, that's what I, I did that yesterday because my back was sore after working on the trailer. And I was in the shower and I was like, oh, I should put the cold on like for my back and stuff and I'm like I don't want to do that but I was thinking like if my daughter's back was sore which I don't have a daughter but imaginary right I would take the cold no you would force them to do it no I would do it for her yeah yeah, yeah. right like I would take the cold for her back to feel better what if so I did it for myself knowing about back pain never heat always cold always cold yeah always ice never never heat interesting heat causes inflammation and that'll make it worse Okay, and then the last thing I wanted to ask, we have enough, is if anything else is on your heart, anyone's heart to share, per se. Like anything at all? Anything. I think, just going back to the being your own mama, just realizing that You know, like Derek was talking earlier, like, you know, sometimes you need other people to motivate you to go and get up and get yourself motivated, which is fine. And that works for a period of time. But eventually a person has to learn how to change their beliefs about themselves and love themselves because otherwise, like you need to be able to be functioning without people around you, Mm. you know, like maybe you won't be as highly functioning but you need to be able to love yourself and not feel like a complete failure every other day you know like not need other people's validation to make Mm. you feel human Mm. just realize you are your own human and that Mm. taking care of yourself is just as much of a noteworthy cause as taking care of somebody else Just because it's you, it doesn't make it anybody less. Your life is just as important as the next person's. Actually, I would argue that it's more important. Exactly. It should be more important to you because Mm. no one else is going to look after you like you should. 
You know what I'm saying? It's like you physically can't look out for anyone else if you're down. That's right. It's like putting your own mask on in the airplane before somebody else's. Mm -hmm. Anything on your heart, Angel? The world is crazy right now. Mm -hmm. And I am scared for not just me, but for the millions of people. And the only thing that we can do is stand up and fight and protest and try to be there for others. The only way that you're going to do that is if you're there for yourself first. Wow. So one other thing I wanted to talk about was she mentioned suicide earlier. And I've struggled with that three different times. And each time's gotten worse. And I'll just say that the last one ended with an attempt. Mm -hmm. And when that, before that happens, you know it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. It's not anything where somebody just, unless you're like on drugs or something, but if you're in your right mind, you're talking to yourself about it before you actually do it. So in that case, A, I, ha I did end up having to seek therapy for it. And that helped a lot. And I would recommend that. But also, just doing what I said before and just caring for other people. Mm. And figuring out that you are useful to other people mm. is the most important thing to keep those thoughts away. If you keep everything internal and you just, you make your world small, it's a very depressing place. You feel like you're on an island. If you expand out your reach, you don't feel so isolated. Hmm. That kind of one thing I wanted to bring back that's kind of on my heart is you were mentioning how people who've been through sex trafficking and stuff, you know, like they have so much adversity and can overcome you know like obviously that's hard for people but I know a little bit about each of your stories my story and I feel like every person here has really gone through the adversity and has done an amazing job getting have, out of that you have to remember that the strongest swords are forged in the hottest fires. Mm. And you have to learn how to bend and not break. Something that I said to him earlier is that I was like, a lot of your misguided viewpoints doesn't come from a place of hatred, but comes from a place of ignorance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Unawareness, right? Unawareness, yeah. you know? So, like, a lot of, the, some of the meanest people are out there are either the people that have been through a lot and didn't really learn from it, or people that have just had everything handed to them and they don't understand the concept of struggle. So you're grateful for your adversity? Yeah. I don't think, no matter no matter how bad a shape that you're in or whoever you are the adversity and that your life experience is what's shaping you yeah and then how you choose to interpret those events yeah how, how you, choose you choose to, spin to it. yeah because in your mind you can spin it one way or the other mm -hmm. my parents were very physical with me for example mm. i'm not physical at all with my daughter mm. that's that's just something that's ingrained in me. It's like, I'm not going to do that. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, yeah, it doesn't matter 
it doesn't really matter what your experiences are. It matters more on how you interpret them. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for saying yes to this. Thank you. Glad to be here. I'm happy that we showed up the day that we did. It just was perfect timing. It really was. <laughs> you came out, you're like, this is actually perfect. It happened. You're so cute. It always happens that way. <laughs> that was awesome. Well that was awesome. And can I touch the mic now? Hey, mamas. You made it to the end of our three-way, four-way conversation, which I guess is the first time I've done that. Um, it's funny. I'm actually typically more comfortable in group situations than one-on-one, -on -one, though lately I've been loving my one-on-ones um, and just being able to listen and uh, have somebody unravel their their story and what their message is underneath um yeah it's kind of cool but i really liked our group chat and our table time and man some things that stuck out to me were that last quote derek said of you know like grudges are like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies that is really like relevant as we talk about forgiveness and what that means and and what unforgiveness doesn't mean um it's just yeah these themes that that come up of forgiveness and self-care and it was kind of cool to have a male perspective on my own mama and obviously this is just one guy he does not speak for the whole male species but um that was something that I'm like, am I just off the deep end here on my podium talking about, you know, being my own mama and this just doesn't apply to men at all. Um, but it, it was kind of interesting how he, he sees the, the connection and, and how deep those patterns are in us and how it is important to take care of ourselves in order to take care of others. Um, and another thing that came up was the theme of adversity. And I wanted to share with you mamas just at the end here of the current situation of my adversity in dealing with this travel trailer. So I officially have two weeks before I need to start my road trip back. And um, so it ended up down to the wire that the trailer got picked up today and moved to ranch the in texas and like i literally just got it movable like they texted me yesterday and were like okay we're gonna come tomorrow morning and i'm like oh fuck get out to the trailer haul ass to um like install the freaking benches, the cabinets, the every, everything that was, you know, in disarray within Reno, I had to pack it up and get it ready to go. So um, that is done. The trailer itself is not done yet. Um, the painting's done, the flooring's done, but there are tons of loose ends to do like the counters the cabinets um, as far as like aligning them making sure all the plumbing is good electrical is good testing all the appliances and these were the things that i needed to do for chance before i drop it off to him for the airbnb it's so it's basically going to be 
tying up loose ends, troubleshooting, and doing all that I can do on top of now working at the ranch um, as, a, as an exchange for free accommodations. So it's going to be pressed and I have not followed up with Chance yet because I want him, like basically I want to show him pictures and be like, hey, are you still down to rent out the travel trailer? Um, I don't want to be like, hey, do you still have room on your fleet? And he's like, how's it looking? And it's in disarray, right? So I want it to be presentable and I'm dying to message him and, and firm that up and, and meet and go over a contract and stuff. But um, if it doesn't work out with him, I'm thinking of paying for storage and just, you know, paying someone to deliver it to storage and keep it safe um, without any wear and tear, right, from renters or traveling back and forth to different sites. Um, but it would be nice to generate, but I would only do that with somebody that I trust, being that I'm so far away in Canada. So I just wanted to share an update with you mamas. Uh, I am still in the heat, still in the fire myself, and I can't wait for the moment that I cross the border back home, things are taken care of, you know, even just starting my road trip will be a relief, but um, especially crossing the border, getting my car over in one piece, getting into my country and not being penalized for, you know, like going over the limit. I don't even know what that would be. So I need to make that happen. Um, so I'm close. I'm at the finish line, but it's the final sprint. And it's like, uh, what's left what's left you know I'm not out of gas yet but I'm running on adrenaline and I'm doing my best so that's me mamas um, thank you so much for being here with me in this journey thank you for listening to the stories of Derek and Faye and Angel so until next week mamas take care